On tonight's episode of Eureka Cast, now the five phases of music listening, what you should be listening to for each part of the day. Chicago plans on releasing pollutant accumulating cats and our special feature, Blood Letter, the future of medical crowdfunding. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, I'm glad you're here. I'm lead media disruption developer Kai Hubris, and this is the show that we call EurekaCast Now, and on this show we discuss the latest news in science, but also technology. Every once in a while. Every once in a while. I'm more, more, less than I'd like. We could certainly do it some more. With me, as always, that voice that you just heard is Professor, is the esteemed Professor uh, Emma, as I say, the esteemed Professor Emma, Emma Ritus. Uh Rowan Medellar from the Simon Amy Institute of Spirit Science. How are you doing tonight, Rowan? Uh, wonderful, Kai, and uh, healthful welcomes to tonight's allegorical wellness spa of the mind, because that's how I conceptualize of the show. I don't know how you, on a metaphysical plane, look at what we put together, but I, I look at it in that manner. I think of it as sort of a sonic power lunch, where we can really get through a lot, we can you know, lunch is a is a great time. There's food around, um, but it's also a great time to get some work done and really learn some new things and make those connections. And that's sort of what this show is. That's fair. That's that's you know that's one certainly a way to uh, look at it. And you know the idea of the power lunch. It's interesting that you should bring that up um, mm-hmm. because there that that is a an excellent point that you're making with regards to how there are ways in which productivity can be brought to the forefront through through design mm-hmm. and through changing definitions, strategic thinking. Exactly, um, and specifically architecture, because oh. I I thought this would be a little in, some interesting news. Mm-hmm. The Ground has been broken for the six-story subterranean dorms at the Simon Amy Institute of Spirit Science really? next to the Yards campus. That's really? right, and that's the one that you work at. Exactly. Really. That, that that it's it's really really exciting because this is a um, a really a really innovative building, a really unique I concept for for uh, some dorms, mm-hmm. uh, a thousand students underground, windowless rooms. Underground, you say? Yeah, uh, six, it's so it is six stories down, well, five stories down, mm-hmm. and then a ground level. That's, I mean, this is the future of you know, as they say, vertical vertical architecture. But very, very few people actually mean vertical, going straight into the earth when they talk about vertical ar- architecture. But that is the future. Well, yeah, and and the 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 fascinating thing about this is is because this is the work of Simon Amy himself. He oh. has designed this from top to bottom. Really, it is it is completely his concept, I... and it is an experiment, um, nothing less than an experiment in hostile architecture. Um, for the betterment and and sort of productivity and mindfulness um, in students that come to the Simon Amy Institute of Spirit Science next to the Arts Campus. Now I've heard so much about Simon Amy, but uh, I did not I did not even consider I did not know that uh, they had a background in architecture. Well, the beautiful thing is is they have a background in um, f- 
physics, mm. um, so important shapes, structures. Uh huh. The human body is one could say a, a building. You know, the fascinating part of the whole thing mm-hmm. is is that. This is the work of a man who is coming into this with little preconceived notions on these things. Yes, changing it. Let me let me describe to you some of the features. Some of some of the features that have been dictated Mm -hmm. by Simon Amy um, in in this grand experiment of his. Mm -hmm. Because that's the thing; he's not an architect. Um, I don't think it would be it would be fair to say that he has a background in architecture, but he does have a background in experimentation. Mm -hmm. He does have a background in pushing the limits and seeing how the human mind responds to stimuli. And this is a a concatenation concatenation mm-hmm. of many stimuli. Let me describe some of these stimuli. It's fascinating. Um, so one thing to, is that the beds mm-hmm. are actually at a uh, 160 degree turn. All of the beds. In which in which dimension? In which direction? So they they're sloped downwards oh, okay. about uh, twenty degrees. Um, Interesting. Okay. Yeah, there, there is a um, sort of a board at the bottom where the feet can rest, but it allows people to sleep in a semi-standing position, mm-hmm. and those are the only beds that are part of this. Well, that's I mean that's great. If you're talking about students, they never want to get up, but they're from the time they they lay down in bed, they're already basically up. Exactly, 100%. Um, another feature, a key feature, and this is once again coming from Simon Amy himself, mm. um, water will be lukewarm in the toilet, in the sink, and in the shower. Right. All of the water will be the same temperature. I, well, some some say that lukewarm, that sort of room temperature, is the ideal form of water. Well, that's the really the fun part of it, though, is and and this is this is shows the genius of the design mm-hmm. is that um, as because all of the water is the same temperature, uh, that water that temperature can be changed and that can be a variable as they investigate these dorms oh. and the possibilities that they're going to provide from so, these students. So it's you're saying it's it's going to be a research test what temperature the water's going to be and how that affects grades or well, something? Well, no one said that yet, but it's a possibility. Sure. Um, it opens they the have, door. They have, one, they have one knob down uh, there in the basement that changes the whole building's water. Bathrooms have no walls. That's another. Oh. That's another. That's another feature that's been designed. What do you, now, what do you mean by that? It's, they're outside. What do you? Um, what, no, they're where? not outside. Come on, it's underground. Sure. Please, they're it's in underground. The caves. Well, yeah, no, there's just no walls. Bet- like between stalls, or <laughs> what do you mean? No yeah, walls. Yeah, between stalls. There's there, so there's no door. It's just sort the of imagine a large room. That's sort of dotted with toilets and, oh. and urinals, and there is just would be there would be one per floor. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm... innovative. It's innovative design. It's 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 really quite exciting, and uh-huh. and this is the really exciting one that I thought was was incredible. Okay, let's is hear it. That they have installed specific types of speakers mm-hmm. into the various. Uh, uh, underneath beds, into into walls, along ceilings, okay. that can emit all sorts of tones, all sorts of noises, um, very softly, very loudly. High, is high, high fidelity? Um, extremely, Perhaps, and and yeah. sub subsonic, as a matter of fact, as well. Do now do the students at all have control over what is being played? Well, no, of course not. What is what's the what's the plan with these, Rowan? Well, right now the ground has just been broken. You know, there's really no real construction has happened just yet. Uh-huh. 
Uh, but it's exciting. It's the largest experiment in hostile architecture ever uh, done on a, uh, in a in a university setting, and I'm I'm very excited to see how it goes. Now, is is hostile architecture? Is is this something that is a a novel construction, a new form of architecture developed by Simon Amy, or is there a precedent for this? Oh, there's absolutely precedent for this. This is a refinement of things such Thousands as of years. such as, uh, as as homeless spikes, mm. boulders placed mm. in sort of uh, you know entryways. Right. Um, Ronald McDonald, as he sits on the bench, right. that is an that is considered hostile architecture. So this is a refinement, though, and 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 a a, a brought scale, together. Certainly. Yeah, and and the idea, I should say the idea is is by making the dorms so completely and utterly unwelcoming and miserable it will bring people out of the dorms to their classes <laughs> and and to each other it's that is a huge problem is these classes they're just completely empty at this point I see a lot of the universities and that's because these students are in their dorms having the time of their lives <laughs> You can't. Uh, I couldn't say it better myself. Uh, and at They're least that's certainly soundly. <laughs> no lack of amenities. There's so much time wasted um, in the dorms, and you know I'm guilty of it. I wasted right. so much time in uh, in the dorms, mm-hmm. but uh, you're sleeping you know, eight nine hours a night. You know, I I, I I as much as I don't want to deny the goofing around that I experienced mm-hmm. to this incoming class yeah. of people. Um, no at the out. same time, at the same time, we have bigger problems now and, and I really need some of, uh, we need the young people to pick up the slack. Yeah. I see, you know, I see These, college kids all, all around, uh, bright eyes and, and, uh, they're going out there. They're having hot, hot meals. And really, you know, college is time for education, not hot meals and, and sleepful nights. I, I couldn't. Uh, I could not agree more. Well, well, thank you very much for that, Rowan. It's uh, exciting. It's exciting. Um, Are you? You're not involved in the planning of this. No, no, no. But um, I will be one of the first to get a tour of it when Ooh. it is finally constructed. I'm pretty. I'm fairly certain. Um, pending some talks with some people, I mm-hmm. could probably, possibly do that. Sure. Uh, well, thank you so much for that, Rowan. It is now time to move on to our for- first story of the night. And as you know, we, we do uh, news and technology reports here, and this is a fun one. This is one that is straight out of uh, straight out of New Media Laboratories here at Tech Brothers. This story is fresh out of the oven. I have it right in front of me. I have the data pulled up, um, and this so this is so this is exciting. Never nobody's heard about this yet. This is the first time you're going to be hearing about it. Are you ready, Rowan? I am. I'm. I'm ready for something. Well, um, all right. So this is really exciting. Uh, New Media Labs has identified that there are five. Count them five. Universal modes of music listening throughout the course of a day. So there are five modes, five phases of music listening, and we've learned this based off of trends we've collected from thousands, thousands of tech uh, of users of Tech Brothers Music Streaming Surface uh, Service Guy Fidelity. Okay, we're going to need to take it a step back from here. I'm, yeah, what I know, you, I'm just what, so excited. What do, you, what do you mean when you say modes of music yes. listening? Okay, so, yeah, so let's, um, let's take an even further step back. As you know, Rowan, as the listener, as the citizen scientist out there knows, citizen scientist, as you will know, uh, 
I work at this company, Tech Brothers, in the New Media Laboratories. We do a lot of research and development in areas of new media. And streaming services, some, some may consider a new media. I, I would certainly consider it a new media. And I've... one of the ways it's new media, hold, hold on, Rowan. One of the ways it's, let me explain. One of the ways it's new media is that it's the first time we're able to take such a complex, uh, complex research, compile such large amounts of data on such very specific things um, from from users. So users will use, will log on to their guy their guy fidelity accounts. Um, they will listen to music, and then we track all that data. Really, all we've done with them so far is we'd send them, you know, at the end of the year, we'd sell them what genres they're listening to, what genres they, they are not listening to, what genres they could be and should be listening to, things like that. A lot of music streaming services are doing that. But for the first time, um, we've been able to take, uh, to look at every single person, basically every single person, uh, or a sample of every single person that uses Guy Fidelity, and we're able to look at what they're listening to, the genres, the tempos, the sort of types of music they're listening to throughout the course of the day. And we've learned that if you split up a day into five different you know, time slots, those time slots, uh, it, it, what people are listening to when, they correlate. People sort of tend to listen to exactly or roughly the same kinds of music during the same time times of days. So we've split them up into five different time frames. And right now I will reveal to the listen to you listener exactly what you listen to. What you're listening to right now. These things govern your life, what you listen to during what times of the day. So this is a revelation of back end sort of uh, algorithmically generated concepts. Is that is that fair to say? Yeah, it's it's really it's a revelation in the, also in the sense that people are so predictable. A peek behind the curtain. Peek behind the curtain of you're you. Well, all right, Kai, let's hear it. All right, so, so we've tracked this, and we can conclusively say everybody pretty much follows the exact same schedule when it comes to listening to music. So uh, it may sound like I'm, it may sound like I'm, I'm some sort of, a, I don't know, a, I have some insights or some you know, magic. This is not magic. This is not cold reading. This is fact and data. So between 4 a.m. and— Not that there would be anything wrong if it was true scientific magical. Magic with a K. I, well, I wouldn't— Okay, 4 a.m. to 9.05 a.m. So this is what we call—and we've given each of these segments a name. 4, uh, 4 a.m. to 9.05 a.m., that's what we call the Royal Wood. And I'll tell you why. During this time, um, the data shows us that people— uh, listen to music, and, and this is again a generalized, generalized way, uh, generalized way of looking at it. But people tend to listen to music with hints of '60s folk and lustrous '70s rock. According to our algorithms, the music during this time also tends to be tinged with Americana, or imbued with a psychedelic shimmer. This is remarkably specific. It's sort of, it's, I mean, it's more general than specific. But I, let me let me finish. It also should be noted that music during this time. Uh, Mostly steers clear of the red zone. Sort of the song crafting is less rocking and more measured, with the occasional glint of pop, she of pop sheen flickering at its surface. Did, how are you? How are you um, putting this together in this this manner? Because this is once again, this is remarkably specific. What what did what did you imbued? You said it was imbued. Our algorithms are our algorithms are very complex. 
the amount of the amount of data that we take on each of these songs is, is very very complex. Again, you can track tempos, you can track uh, instrumentation, you can track uh, the lyrics. We can track everything, and f- and this is just what the this is what the computer spits out, Rowan. All right, fair. Uh, you know, um, less intuitive results have proved more fruitful. So what else? What well, else is there? Let me just say. So the genres that sort of you know. Uh, the genres that sort of take over that morning segment are folktronica and black gaze. Next up, we have the 9.05 to 12 p.m., so 9.05 to noon. Um, this is the uh, the period of time that we call Dark Root Garden, and I'll, and I'll tell you why. It's called We call it the Dark Root Garden, and that's because music that people listen to during this time of day, um, it uses indie pop to convey candid and often... T- <laughs> Devin's devastating observations about longing, insecurities, and the uncertainty of young adulthood. What's interesting? No, I'm, I'm, you... Wait, let me just tell you what's interesting. What's really interesting about this, the music people listen to at this time is that, uh, is that the music it doesn't so much shirk nostalgia as recontextualizes it. It transfigures it transfigures well worn memories from longings into lessons, <laughs> a soil from which to potentially grow. Well, I mean. And the genres that epitomize this time are vegan straight edge and hypnagogic pop. Gardens do grow. That is a fair that I, I can see uh-huh. the um I can see the correlation there. Right. And that's just a simple cause and effect. But I don't know if at nine AM to noon is where I would be wanting to listen to vegan straight edge. That seems rather early for that sort of music. You'd be surprised. I love vegan straight edge. It's one of my. It's um. It's right up there with um. You know, paleo straight edge as mm-hmm. far as um, musical subgenres mm-hmm. I enjoy. But it's just not that early. You'd be, you, I'm just telling you, Rowan. You'd be surprised. Um. The next one we have is uh, from noon to the crucial four thirty seven. Um, and this is a time period that we call the Crystal Caves. The music during this time, uh, well, it, it really it is the time when we st- it starts embracing community and sustainability while rejecting the myth that great art must be born from torture, tragedy, and visionary collaborations with Jim O'Rourke. <laughs> now, there's plenty going on in music during this period of time, but it never feels like the instruments are fighting for space. Tambourines shake... <laughs> Tambourines shake in and out of out of the mix, along with piano tones, acoustic strums, and glittering electric leads. The genres that epitomize this time are gauze pop and twee. These are. I don't. I don't even it's, know how to react to this. I mean, it's really stunning Is, what data I, can show I, us. I, now, let me ask you this, guy: mm-hmm. Is this not just your? your data is this not just some thing that was created for your playlist no there's a lot of people working on this team it's not just me i have never in my life heard of gauze pop or twee or jim o'rourke for that matter (laughs) well i don't think i have listened to music that fits in with those criteria at any point um well rowan i think you do the data is the data is telling us this. Let's Rowan. keep it moving. All Let's right. keep it moving. So the next one is uh, is a period of time that we call the Valley of Drakes. This is from four thirty uh, from four thirty eight to nine uh, to nine o'clock nine p.m. at night. Um, so music during this time, rather than lean into the gimmick of bed of a bedroom record, songs during this time 
dis, uh, disguise their relatively amateur equipment behind clean melodies and reliable song structures. The bubblegum bass anthems listened to during this time of day take the form of a marketing campaign of mostly fictional soft drinks, fetishizing the sound of soul uh, of soullessness while crystallizing key PC music elements such as hyperphys- uh, hyperphysical synth, chipmunk vocals, and advertising as a genre. The genres during this period of time are death grass and lowercase. No, I do actually recognize some of this. Um, I don't want to be listening to PC music if four, four to nine. But you, but you do though. Is, is this a story? Is this actually a story? Yeah, no, this is, I mean, this is data. This is brand new data. This is a news show. This is brand new. Because it seems like you're reading lists from if, your your own playlist. Wait, I mean, you know, you, you caught me, Rowan, but that's only because everybody else, it, it's surprising how everybody else seems to follow the same exact five phases. You ready for the last one? Oh, certainly. And this is the most interesting one. Uh, Rowan, what would you say you listen to between the, the hours of 9 p.m. and 2.05 a.m.? Um, I happen to love the um, Starlight Express soundtrack, Andrew Lloyd Webber, oh. my, one of my favorites. Oh, well, you know what, Rowan? I think this, I think this period of time— I like show tunes. I think this period of time, Demon Ruins— <laughs> Perfectly, perfectly epitomizes this. It's certainly, uh, this is certainly the most patrician hours of listening, the data tells us. Music this tr- during this time tends to feature chugging, groovy riffs that stomp down a path of destruction while squealing guitars, uh, uh, guitar harmonics stab around the edges. This period of time, definitely a museum of hardcore. The music only relents in its barrage of knuckle-dragging riffs and pummeling drums to deploy the occasional gross-out sample. This does not sound like Dear of... Evan Hansen. Well, the genres that epitomize this time are glitch hop and porno grind. I... Well, there we go. Well, I mean, Rowan, that's not it. There's one, there's one more. I know I said five, but there is the crucial, if you're listening to the times, there is a crucial uh, break between 2.05 and 4, 4 a.m., that's what we call the music dark set. We have no idea what goes on during those times. But that's that's it. Well, that was a remarkably specific trip down, uh, I'm going to guess, my co-hosts, uh, Sp- Spotify, um, Guy Fidelity. Guy, Guy Fidelity. What? Yes. I don't even know what Spotify your, your, is. Uh, your own playlist. Thank you for that. Um, uh, no, no, that's completely data. Listener, really, really look over. I, I didn't mean to scare any listeners out there that, that thought that I was I was peeping into their own personal playlists. Rowan, I know you might be scared. I feel like this is coming from a place of fear. You feel like I know too much about you, but really, this is just what the data tells us. I did not hear a single song from an Andrew Lloyd Webber, um, you know, performance on there, and mm-hmm. that leads me to believe that you don't know what I listen to at all. Don't be afraid. Memories. That would have been a gimme. Um, So I have a very quick story because we are running a little low on time in the first portion of the program. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is a a bit of a local story, I should say. Yes. Um, Because... It's like my story. In Chicago, uh, as 
you may or may not know, mm-hmm. Kai, the listener, citizen scientist, uh, Chicago has once again been deemed the rat capital of the United States, seventh year running. Wonderful. It's incredible. Um, it, we have the most rats per square foot. I don't have the specific stat in front no. of me, but above but all stat, other cities. If you're imagining the stat, imagine a large one. So Chicago, once again, mm-hmm. uh, we has this rat problem. We, and we, we sure do, Ro. I, I don't consider it a problem necessarily. Right. I think that rats add um, a little bit of flavor to the city city experience, city living. Mm-hmm. But, a, a, a rotting flavor. And they're not, they're not really bothering me in any meaningful capacity. Mm-hmm. But there's been this program, a longstanding program, mm-hmm. to release cats, uh, cats that have been spayed and neutered they have, and brought, put back out onto the streets, microchipped. Put out back out on the streets to eat the rats as a uh, an organic pest control measure, mm-hmm. and they're I, I hear they're really good at that. And and it's I I would not speak I can't speak to whether or not they're good they're it's a good program or not. I know I have adopted many cats from this program off the streets, mm-hmm. which is probably diminishing their ability to kill the rats. Road, are are you just you're just taking the cats off the street, or are you going well, through? Well, stuff? well, there's no one else. No one, no one owns them. I believe the city owns. I I've never I have yet to be. The point being mm. is that these cats are being released. But this year, Chicago has done something very different. Um, oh, a, a, tried a new route, mm-hmm. um, and that is bioremediation. Specifically, oh. bioaccumulation of heavy metals. So these cats that are being put out now okay. have been sort of given a regiment of drugs and are specifically chosen for uh, various sort of uh, muscu- uh, muscle to bone ratios such that they will accumulate heavy metals into their bodies um, more so and more thoroughly than other cats that have been released the, thus now the, uh, uh, to this point. These these cats are 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 sponges for heavy metals. Yes, um, I mean it's it's really quite simple. It's bioaccumulation. There's uh, heavy metal from industry in the soil that that goes into the plants. The rats eat the plants, and then uh, the cats eat the rats. And then at each step of the process, the heavy metals are pulled out of the dirt and into a vessel for disposal, aka the cat. The the cat as a vessel for disposal. Recycling. How does one dis- how does one recycle a cat? Really? Well, I mean, the fact of the matter is, they take these cats. They go out. Mm-hmm. They do their business. They eat the rats. They accumulate the heavy metals. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of the season, the cats are brought back. They are found and brought back to facilities, euthanized, and then treatment is undergone and then the slag and this is the amazing part the slag that comes from these ashes from these cats they can reuse the heavy metal Rowan, is this is this is something that that you support absolutely it's, this doesn't it, sound seem it's very, very it's, it's, it's it's incredibly sustainable and the well that's fair but when you look at it as if the earth Mother Earth Gaia uh-huh. was an organism unto itself, us all being cells, um, perhaps, you know, glands and, and you know, uh, lesions and what have you uh-huh. on this organism. By doing 
this environmental good thing, this environmental uh, uh, virtue, mm -hmm. i.e. pulling heavy metals out of the ground, then the wider organism is getting healthier, and that's the most vegan thing I can think of. This is an incredibly loose definition of veganism. Right? Well, 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 it, it's it, it's uh, the environment is uh, this is that's a discussion we could talk about that forever. The point is is that this is the uh, a new thing that is going forward. Um, There's and no I should, way to stop. It. I should, it, it's the, the the paperwork's been signed. Um, it's it's the cats are already heading into the machine. Yeah, that, that that's um something worth uh, bringing up. I'm glad you brought that up because very quickly, um, citizens are in fact not encouraged to interact with these animals. Uh, you normally wouldn't be encouraged to interact with uh, those sort of animals anyway. No, but they can be recognized by the notch in their ear. If you see a cat outside with a notch in their ear, mm -hmm. an exclamation mark bleached into some part of their coat. An exclamation mark? Yes. Um, and usually later on in the in the bioaccumulation process after heavy metals have uh, you know filled up and uh, become more prominent, you could see an oily sheen, bleeding gums. The point is stay away from those cats. They're very they, they have a, a certain amount of lead, cadmium, etc. that's that's not healthy. As cute as they may be, look for the exclamation mark in the fur. Well, Rowan, that sounds absolutely horrifying. But I believe we're we've reached the 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 segment that it, that we call the mid show midterm of our show, the middle of our show, um, and I believe you have a question for us uh, that we can ponder as we listen to music and wait until the special feature taking place in the second half of the show. Yes, that's correct. Um, and so tonight we have a uh, a very uh, straightforward question, mm -hmm. which is which of the following subconscious cues has been associated with dishonesty? So, 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 subcon these are cues that we don't realize that we're doing, but we may do them, and if we do, it's a sign that we are dishonest. Or when you see it in other people. It, you, it, it's a way to... It's a correlation. It, yeah, it's a way to um, sort of do a an ocular pat-down of a sense of mm -hmm. people around you in terms of honesty. Um, so which of the following, which of these... Um, Okay. So, <clears throat> number one, um, chewing on objects. Mm -hmm. So, sort of a, a toothpick, perhaps. So like an oral um, fixation of some straw, sort. A of... straw, you know, a thumb, a fingernail. A um, cigar, maybe. Perhaps, perhaps. Um, so, number two, wearing sunglasses or just sort of otherwise obscuring your eyes. Okay. Um, number three... Having a black leather jacket that could be described as slick, could be described as show-offish, uh -huh. could be described as tacky even. Um, sure. And then number four, leaning on the hood of your, or in this, in perhaps the other person's case, their... 89 Dodge Viper. That specific car, that specific year of vehicle. I mean, is that your guess? Do you think that's a subconscious cue? I don't know what a Dodge Viper looks like, Rob. Well, we will have time to rectify that mm. because we are taking a very short break, mm -hmm. um, only about eight minutes. So we will return 
um, at that point. And uh, when we do, we will come back with our special feature, Blood Letter, the future of medical crowdfunding. Mm -hmm. Stay tuned. Which of the following subconscious cues has okay. been associated with dishonesty? Yeah. Um, one, chewing on objects. Mm-hmm. Like, such a to- a, like a toothpick. Two, wearing sunglasses, uh-huh. otherwise obscuring your eyes. Number three, having a black leather jacket, very slick by some people's measures, tacky by you know, a normal person measure. It's completely subjective. And number four, leaning on the hood of your or their 89 Dodge Viper. Which of these is a subconscious cue All right, of I'm, dishonesty? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to... I'm just going to be completely honest, Rowan. I have no strong feelings towards any of these. These seem like very... I did not think of these as really any... I did not even consider these to be... When I see these in the world... I don't think of them to be uh, uh, cues of dishonesty. Um, but chewing on objects, a lot of people seem to do that. Wearing sunglasses. I feel like not everybody wearing sunglasses can uh, can be dishonest. Leather jacket, leaning on the hood of your Dodge Viper. I'm just going to have to say, I'm looking at a picture of one of these Dodge Vipers right now. And I get the sense that anybody that owns one of these, I wouldn't take advice from them, certainly. So I'm going to have to go with number four. If you're leaning on the hood of your nine of your '89 Dodge Viper, uh, I believe that that seems to me to be the sign of uh, the cue of dishonesty. Well, um, you're technically correct because it's a bit of a trick question. The answer is all of these. All of these are subconscious cues of dishonesty. Oh. It seems I, I wrote. I'm just. I'm gonna say. I'm not gonna question your, uh, your your choices of question. But it seems pretty dishonest to make a trick question. Well, that is that is fair. That I mean, I'm not. I can't. Is there is there is there somebody that you're pointing out that you're that you're that you're focusing on here? I'm just saying, don't trust greasers. They can't be trusted. Okay, interesting. And that's been proven. That's great, Rod. That's that's wonderful. But let's it's time for us to move on to the special feature of tonight, and this is something that I believe you have a little bit more uh, knowledge on um, than I do, Rowan. But it, what I love about it is that it's a uh, it's something that sort of it you know we're talking about STEM here. We're talking about science, technology, engineering, math, and gaming, um, and this is something that sort of brings together two parts of that. It brings together science, specifically medical science, and also entrepreneurship, which is another thing that's missing from. From STEM, but it's bringing together sort of that business and science um, in perfect harmony to solve one of the greatest problems of our generation. Yeah, and and it's it's very exciting to be able to talk about finally talk about blood letter. That's B L O O D L E T T R. There's no E at the end because what this is is um, not a blood letter of ye olden days mm-hmm. or even modern days under certain circumstances. This is an app that, uh, not an app, a platform rather, mm-hmm. that um, will be the future of medical crowdfunding. Yeah, it, so, so it's also, it also technology. I believe there is a, an app, but it's really, we're really talking about the platform. We're talking about this, uh, uh, this way to connect people together for, you know, 
for the future, as the, as the subtitle of this is the future of of, of medical crowd crowdfunding, crowd crowdfunding. Yes. Um, for this remarkable new way to uh, to really help people. Well, the exciting thing about it is, is that um, I'm not a. F- this is not part of my work at the Simon Amy Institute of Spirit Science, but this uh-huh. is a um, an offshoot of a former grad student of mine who put together really? this. Uh, yeah. So I've been sort of consulting and helping out with some of the um, the. Uh, sort of the sort of ethical questions that they brought up, and some of the uh, more back end spiritual aspects of this. Um, there are spiritual aspects to this. Well, I mean, it's of course. I, I well, you'll have to. What kind of it. dev team doesn't have a, um, a spiritualist on hand? I've, most of them, I believe. Well, so Bloodwetter, um, what is it? Why why does this exist? Sure. The uh, the fact of the matter is is that most crowdfunding already goes towards medical expenses that's mm-hmm. a that's a reality of platforms that exist as they are your gofundmes yeah. your your kickstarter to a lesser extent it's, um your patreons to once again to a lesser extent but it's there <clears throat> yeah people people are constantly looking for support because medical procedures and just that whole system is so expensive it is and uh you know um oftentimes People can be brought together to really rally around someone, a, a beloved member of the community or a friend or a family member, and put the money together and, and, and get it going. Mm-hmm. Um, but the question is, is why hasn't there been a specific platform that addresses the issues and donates what people actually need in these circumstances, these yeah. people with um, either emergencies or chronic illnesses? Um, yeah, because, they it donate. They people tend to donate money through these. Yeah, but 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 the thing is, is that is that they, they you don't the money is not what is needed. The money goes towards the services and also the uh, the physical supplies and mm-hmm. the biological supplies that go towards helping someone healing someone. Yeah. Um. So what? What blood letter what, is? What blood letter is is it takes money out of the picture. It keeps people honest, you know, so that they're not running away with the money. It is the mm-hmm. first subscription based donate uh, medical donation platform. Amazing. And once again, revolutionary. It is. It is not. It is not money. There is no money involved. No money at changes all. hands. Um, and that's because. Once again, there's no accountability on these other platforms as to when you give um, a donation to someone who claims that they, uh, you know, had to have a um, a toe removed or um, had a, uh, um, a a chainsaw so incident. That uh, how do you know they're not just taking that that uh, those donations and running off to the um, you know the the the, the ponies the yeah. ponies or, or the uh, or or buy- the sports book or or buying a. Buying a sharper, uh, sharper chainsaw. Exactly. So by um, keeping money out of it um, entirely, there can be more accountability, mm-hmm. and there can be more uh, that is uh, um, uh, specialized for. Sure. So w- one thing that you can do is one-time donations of organs, right? For so, example, and that's really all you can do. Most of us tend to have one organ, mm-hmm. but you know, as with any any donation. 
uh, somebody may be in more need of an organ than uh, than you, and so you you can donate it. And this is an easy way to do that. Right. And the fascinating part of it is, is that you know after you go through the process of signing up for this platform, the uh, uh, the the various organs that you have and how healthy they think they are are logged on the program digitally, and then you can go into your profile and click on the the organ that you would be thinking of donating, uh-huh. and it will pull up a list of individuals who are looking for that it's um convenient. it's integrated it's, it's integrated, integrated it's convenient um, but also i think the really exciting part of it though is the recurring donations mm-hmm. because there's so many recurring donations out there um the, uh, that people need for all sorts of medical issues right all Bl- sorts of fluids blood blood big one they're always Huge looking for one. more blood um Very incredibly large one Related to that plasma but, as well. Very specialized. Um, sperm, once again, that is a classic um, thing. Uh, People need it. Bone marrow. That's a big one. Yeah, that one and, too. And is so, so big. what you can do is, is by having these subscription-based models, a certain amount can be drawn out each month, uh, each couple of months, each half a year, whatever you decide you want to do. Right. And that will be put into a storage area uh-huh. those units will be tracked into your account and then you vicariously through this platform use those points and put it towards um someone uh, a patient on the site right and yeah it is it is great because you know it's these are recurring you can do these every single week you can do these every single month you can do one every time you know there's lots of different ways to to do this right um so the exciting thing about this, and, and I think that really like puts this together, yeah. is the ability. You can, you can already do donations. How does how does what is this? How is this different? Well, you get to connect with the patients, um, exactly. and that's like the one. Even as someone who considers themselves not quite a doctor, but a healer, uh, a light worker, I don't think anybody considers you a doctor. Connecting really. with the patients is oftentimes the hardest part of medicine mm-hmm. and healing. And so what you can do is, with blood letter, you choose what you donate to whom. Mm-hmm. You choose. You. You, you pick. It doesn't, you, you, it doesn't go to a huge bucket that people stick their hands in and then hand them out at the hospital. No, it, 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 you are capable of swipping, flipping through all sorts of individuals who will be looking through for your fluids of, mm-hmm. of the kind that you are donating um, of looking for the organs you're willing to your, donate. Your kid, your kidney is hand packed in a in a blood letter package, a blood letter, letter cooler cool, cooling box, and it's sent directly to the hospital. The patient can open it up, see it, and that's that immediate connection. Right, and with specifically the um, the uh, subscription based donations, they can set their own donation tiers, and mm-hmm. so what that means is is that when you reach a certain threshold. At, in their uh, medical sort of, uh, uh, you know, needs, needs. Um, you can get things like video shout-outs. You can, oh, all the way up to getting flown out to visit and see a surgery for this individual because yeah. you have put so much towards their campaign, their crowdfunding, medical crowdfunding yeah. campaign. You're talking about uh, video shout-outs. We're talking about hand Hands, hand etched tote bags. We're talking about uh, t-shirts. T-shirts. We're talking about uh, crafts. We're talking about them making, reading your voicemail. It's it's um once again there is no enamel pins. There is this. There's no better way to f- truly feel at one with the person you're helping 
than through the intimacy of a trying mm-hmm. medical time and, and, and stepping in and getting that video shout out during that time. <laughs> and getting that t-shirt with their face on it. So Bloodwetter is entering early alpha. It's um, brand new. Absolutely. And so what I would like to turn over to the listener, to the citizen scientist And this out is there, not a call to action. This is not a call to action. This is merely a, a notice uh-huh. that Bloodwetter is in need of patience. Mm-hmm. Um, we're looking for individuals, um, any number of things, cancer, mm-hmm. autoimmune disorders, long COVID, bubble boy, girl person, bubble that, that bubble disease. Uh-huh. Um, depression, uh-huh. um, just anything, anything at all. Anything at all that you uh, need donations for. And we ex- expect, once we have a back end of patients, to be able to enter into late alpha to mm-hmm. early beta. Right. And, uh, well, I say we. I, I've only just been... I, I, sounds like you're on the board, Rowan. <laughs> I, I wish. I'm just very excited about mm-hmm. it. Um, I'm excited about this, too. I hope to see a day... Where we no longer anybody with a medical concern, we no longer see them. They have no no more use for things like uh, like Patreon or GoFundMe or, or or you know send something to their to their Venmo or something. They'll just hop on Bloodletter and get exactly what they need and when. It's exciting, and if you are interested in being um, a part of our early alpha uh, Bloodletter program, uh, please email. Uh, EurekaCastNow at gmail.com. Really, Rowan? EurekaCast at gmail.com. I, I'm not looking forward to getting those emails, Rowan. Um, but yes, uh, so that is the news on Bloodletter. Very exciting, very fascinating. Um, Sounds, yeah, that's, it's, it's great. It's great what people are doing these days with blood um, and app and the web. Two things that I believe in highly. So we have a uh, citizen science, as a matter of fact. Excellent. So citizen scientist, as you as you know, is the part of the show. We we rediscuss the research findings and data collected by amateur scientists. That's you, listener. That is you out there in the world on the street and posted to social media. And if in fact this comes from you specifically. We would love to talk to yeah. you more. Then you can send us an email. Um, so, EurekaCastNow at gmail.com. EurekaCastNow at, at gmail.com. At, at gmail.com. So here's the citizen scientist. Here's the citizen science from a citizen scientist. <clears throat> a quick high vibrational hack that will transform your life. Fill a tall glass with water. Meditate love, gratitude, and abundance and optimal health into it. Drink it. Your cells will absorb these frequencies and match its vibrations instantly. Fascinating. Absolutely I don't fascinating. Know. Now, Rowan, I f- where the where the where's okay. Well, let's just pretend that this is something that actually exists. Where is the love coming from? It sounds like you're just taking the love out of that exists in your own body putting it in, into water and reabsorbing it. This sounds like sort of a perpetual energy machine. Well, you know, I wouldn't necessarily go that far, but um, let me let me pose this... Uh, this uh, hypothetical? Let me pose a hypothetical to you. I love I have, hypothetical. I have two glasses of water. Okay. One, I... <laughs> Tell me about this. One, I meditate abundance and good health uh-huh. and gratitude and love into, uh-huh. and then the other, I put in... I meditate into bad health 
and misery uh-huh. and poverty and being an ingrate. Which okay. of those two glasses are you going to drink from? What's the temperature of the water? You have a quote for us, Kai? I do have a quote. Um, and this is a quote by uh, Angus Garter, who is a mentor of mine. Back in the elementary school days, he said this out on the track. Not sure what his job was, but it's always stuck in my mind exactly what this, what this quote was. I was running around the track at gym, and he was always there. He might have been a coach. I, have, I can't really remember. But he always said this. Success is a battlefield, but science is the battle cry. And that's always stuck with me. Ricky Castanello is meticulously researched, produced, and presented with the support of Tech Brothers New Media Labs in Chicago, Illinois. We are broadcast every Saturday evening, 8 to 9 p.m. CST on WLPN LP 105.5 FM Lumpen Radio. And simulcast live on twitch.tv slash Lumpen Radio at the same time time. If you'd like to get in contact with us, please follow us at EurekaCast on Twitter and Instagram and visit our website at EurekaCast.org. But Rowan, I think we have some other ways to get in contact with us. You, that is correct. If you engage in other forms of, of social media, please feel free to find us at Facebook.com slash EurekaCast or send an electronic mail to EurekaCastNow at gmail.com where you can share with us any technological, scientific, or spiritual breakthroughs you've witnessed or participated in. Additionally, if you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the program, feel free to reach out at that email, which is once again EurekaCastNow at gmail. Or if you are interested in being part of the blood letter uh, Open Early Alpha Kai, let Rowan, me, I, Rowan, stop! Kai, stop me, it! Me, I, I look me, away for two seconds. Do you have? Do you have anyone? Do you have anyone who's, who who is sick that you would like to volunteer, Kai? Um, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know, Rowan. Let's can we talk about this like off off the air or something? Oh, are Are you ashamed, <laughs> Rowan? Can you please just end the show? With that, Chicago, allow us here at Eureka Cast now to finish balancing your humors and tempers as this radio checkup concludes. Yeah, and this one, listener, insurance covers. Radio.